in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's up, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you? I'm good. For some reason, catching a cold again. So if I come in a little bit uh, muffled, it's because it's like my 10th cold of the summer. Yeah, what's going on with that? I don't know. We are talking off air, you and I, and I said, basically 18 to the age 30, I never got sick. Okay. In the last couple of years, I'm sick every like second week. Well, I know you work a lot and uh, you work out, you know, you take care of yourself. You work out, you eat healthy, but you work a ton. But uh, yeah, it seems you, every time you're healthy, the next two two episodes, it's like, boom. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to talk a little bit about wellness later with, uh, with our guest, but I think I just have to get that in check. Yeah. But yeah, so I apologize if I come in a little bit muffled or sneeze once or twice. We don't have uh, cough buttons <laughs> in this little not. studio. It's not WGN. <laughs> we are not that high tech savvy. We're kind of tech savvy. We just We're don't have there. buttons. We're getting there. What's going on? You got any shout outs? Uh, I do have a shout out. Uh, first off, I want to give a quick shout out to Switchboard Live. We've been working with them now. Uh, as far as the multi-streaming, there was a couple of kinks. I don't know who's, who's kinks, what side of the ledger, but uh, we worked together over the last two weeks and it's been flawless. So awesome. it's really, we're doing Facebook Live, uh, YouTube Live, and Periscope. And we'll be going out to some other outlets soon, but those were the main three. And they've worked diligently with me to get it up and running. So Awesome. Yeah, yep. appreciate that. And um, it's cool that we're now live video-wise on a couple platforms. Exactly. Because the audio is on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere a podcast yeah. can be. Yeah, yeah. Can so, it, it's, so it's cool. We just keep growing our outlets and uh, ways people can contact or we can contact them. Cool. Uh, yeah. And then one other quick one. Uh, I saw uh, a news story that kind of grabbed my attention. And I wanted to share it. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the names right. I'm going to try. Um, there was an officer down in Texas. His name is Jose Esperazuta. Esperazuta. That I really sure. did. I really Messed did. I'm trying up. hard. I'm trying hard. His nickname. Officer Jose. Was Speedy. Okay. Uh, he was very unfortunately killed in the line of duty. Um, and fast forward a little bit of time, it's football season, and he, his son, uh, is now playing football. And the story was talking about how excited he was to see his kid play his first game. And so with the unfortunate uh, passing, he was not there physically to be, perhaps in spirit, but uh, officers from all over Texas came and filled the stands to watch his son play that game. Very cool. I just thought that was just awesome. I mean, we always talk about first responders and how brave and, and such, but they also have big hearts, and uh, they went to wanting to make sure that this boy knew that he wasn't alone. So big well, shout-out. Good thing I don't have a shout-out because I can't top that one. <laughs> well, you, you killed me on the shout-outs today, right. buddy. Well, it just, you know, I watch a lot of morning news, and – WGN in particular, and that's where I picked this up, and it was just cool. So I looked into it, and I should have gone uh, and tried and figured out how to say the name better, but I did my best, and that was a shout out, though. It was something else. Um, so, yep. You already you have somebody commenting about you already. We got Christine Baffa said, uh, 
I need a model for a men's cut in my class. Send, oh, shoot. I said Mo this time. Oh. Oh, I didn't see that last part before <laughs> I started reading it. Uh-huh. Okay. When, I, when, well, fine, when, Christine. You let me know yeah. when. I get my hair cut every week. Yeah, so you do. Anytime you need me to come in, I'll be in. Yeah, find out when it is. That's the my friend out in Bridgeview. Awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. for tuning in, and thank you to her for all, all the charitable work she's been doing. Indeed, lately. absolutely. So uh, that's we can do all a I two got. for one special. I'll bring our guest in too for a haircut. He, Tony oh, he has pretty looks, nice hair. He looks sharp. Yeah. He's, what? He what are you saying? I don't look sharp. <laughs> well, you know, a little rugged. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. So today's guest, we're gonna have two guests, but our, his co-founder. Um, ended up having a ton of work to do, but we're excited to at least have one of the two due to lead neighborhood loans uh, in studio today. Tony Ametti is in. He's the co-founder of Neighborhood Loans. He also happens to be a guy that I look up to a lot, not just in the real estate industry, but just in um, entrepreneurship, uh, business mentorship. He's, he's for the last five years, I think we've been buddies, uh, been a person I can always turn to when I need advice personally when it comes to running a business. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about Neighborhood Loans uh, in your words and then uh, how you guys got started and when you guys got started. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I always like to start from the beginning. Right? Okay. Uh, Reno, Reno and I are childhood best friends. Uh, we grew up together, went to school together, high school, played sports, football, wrestling. And uh, we got into the mortgage industry together at 18 years old, right after we graduated high school, while we were going to junior college at uh, College of DuPage. And within six months, um, we had fallen in love with the business. I mean, we knew um, that it was what we wanted to do uh, for our careers. And so we, we ended up dropping out of school and doing mortgages first time, uh, full time. I didn't time. know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody in our lives at the time were like, you know, guys, you shouldn't drop out of school. You should continue yeah. going. Like, you're doing the wrong thing, right? And it was a battle. Um, and, but no, we were confident that we had made the right decision, or at least we thought we were for, uh, for a couple of years and then the mortgage meltdown happened and we got all the, I told you so, it's a tough time now. You should have kept going to school. And so we took it, uh, we took it a step further. And in December of 2009, we ended up purchasing neighborhood loans, which is an existing brokerage at the time out of Bloomingdale, Illinois, uh, owned by two, uh, local resident DJs. I won't mention their names, I know, who but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, at the time, a lot of people were, were exiting the business. Um, there was a lot of turmoil in the market, a lot of uncertainty. And for us, it was a decision about taking control over our destiny. You know, at, we had worked at some good companies, um, but we really wanted to be able to control the entire process. And so we ended up buying out the brokerage and started doing loans from day one there because it was pre-existing. And from there, we ended up growing it um, throughout the years to the company that it's become today. And this December, will be our 10th year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. November is my 10th of the law firm, and I I posted something yesterday, and it's Bill Gates' quote, um, you overestimate what you can achieve in a year, and you underestimate what you can achieve in a decade. And what you guys have done in 10 years is unbelievable. For those of you that have never visited neighborhood loans, office, or done work with you guys, you guys are, and I've worked with a lot of um, loan companies, lenders, you guys really are top notch, and I, and I don't. I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I truly believe it. You know, we work with neighborhood loans consistently because of everything you guys do. Thank you. Um, it's crazy that you started in 2009 because it, that is a ridiculously bad time of our lifetime to start a mortgage company or get in. I got into real estate in 2009 as well. I got out of law school in 09. Had to 
couple crappy offers. So I got a real estate license to just have a second job. But that was no man's land, doing anything in real estate in 09. How was it starting off in 09 and knowing that you're in a kind of crappy market where you just don't have a lot of people purchasing? Well, it was, it was definitely a, a more difficult market than it is today. Um, and it, it was uncertain, but the, the thing that was for us when we went into this venture is we knew the math made sense, right? So it started with, uh, the idea that, um, based on our production, um, with the volume that we originated, um, that we can, um, pretty much succeed, not to the level of success that, you know, we have achieved over time, but we wouldn't fail. Right. And that's what it was always about making sure that we can, um, do something that we'd be proud of. Um, and, and really it grew from there, right? It grew from just every, every step of the way after that was what's the next thing ahead of us that allows us to take a little bit more control of the process because we knew that there were certain things involved with the way that we conducted business, um, primarily focusing on purchase business, focusing on, um, meeting and exceeding the needs of our realtor partners and our buyers, uh, that at the time, uh, most companies were focused very heavily on refinances. Uh, quantitative easing was a thing after the financial crisis. Rates were depressed. Um, and people were taking advantage of low-hanging fruit, like HARP refinances and FHA streamlines. And we knew that we had to build the foundation of our company on, on referral purchase business because it created a, a better foundation for future times. And with recent market turmoil over the last few years, that's proven true. Um, but really focusing on that over time has not just been uh, one of the anchors of, of our ability to, to grow, but it's also been one of the anchors of our, our success. And what I mean by taking control of the process for that is when we were a broker, uh, which we started as a mortgage broker and we literally, uh, eventually transitioned into becoming a mortgage banker, taking on more and more responsibilities um, as we did, um, we knew that when the transaction's important to you and it's important to the buyer and that we're waiting on a third party for a decision, right? And, and it's not nothing against brokers. Brokers still do a great job. Um, but we knew that we wanted to be able to control the experience and we couldn't do that if we always had to wait for a third party on a turn time, um, being able to make an exception uh, on a file, not anything unjustly, but one that you know you you know is is right. And there's just times where people make mistakes and challenges that you have to overcome to get a, a transaction and a buyer to the closing table. By being able to take control of all of those things over the years is really what's allowed us to become the great company that we are today. Because when something's important to us and it's important to you, we can do something about it. That's fantastic. And one of the things that has always been very immediately apparent to me, and I think probably anybody that works for you guys, is what a great culture you've built. Because you guys are in Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies multiple times over, and congratulations on that. Thank you. But I think having that and being one of the you guys have been named one of the best places to work in America. Those two things together are really hard to achieve together. There's some places that grow really, really fast, but it's at the detriment of their staff. You, you, the staff has worked really, really hard and uh, they're probably worn out, but you guys have got to a point where everybody is happy to work at neighborhood loans. Yeah. You know, obviously in every office there's going to be a complaint or two. We get them too, but what was the, um, I guess the mindset behind that and, and the path to get to a place that makes your employees happy, but also is very, very successful. 
Yeah. So our team members, our team members are at the core of all the decisions that we make. Right. Um, it's always been important to us to be able to provide an environment where everybody felt that they were treated equally and more importantly, where everybody felt that they had an equal opportunity to succeed. Um, so throughout the years of us coming up in the business and, and then getting to the space where we had our own company, um, we were the kind of guys who would bring ideas to the table and they weren't always heard. And because of that, we uh, decided to take risks, uh, which we leverage into growing our company. And we realized that if we were heard and changes were made and things were different, would we be where we're at today? And because of that, we make sure that we don't do that to ourselves. We listen to everybody. The, the best information is going to come from the front lines, right? The people who are in it all day, every day. And uh, wouldn't it be great to work at a company where those people got to voice their opinions and then change actually happened, right? And some change happens quickly and, and other change happens uh, progressively over a little bit of time, but it always happens. And focusing on culture is, is super, super important. Most people think that culture is uh, free lunches and being able to throw parties. And don't get me wrong, those are great you things guys throw companies. good parties too. thank you yeah those are those are great things that that we do as well but what culture is having good company is about being very relational with your with your team members right getting to know people on a deeper level and actually showing them that you care above and beyond just what the minimum requirement might be um, in a business relationship and i think that when people really know that you care about them when they really know that you'll have their back because you know they're treated and they're they're pretty much feel like family then it puts them in a really comfortable position to really focus on their mission uh, at hand which might be uh, an individual transaction the growth of their business the growth of their team better work-life balance um, and it's it's to date it has worked out so far but even us we're always working on improving so that's something about you and Reno that I really admire is that you work really hard on improving yourselves and then take what you and Reno have learned and apply it to teaching everybody else. So you're a very good coach. I've actually sat down and had a core coaching session with you and we'll get into the core in a second. But being able to effectively coach everybody that works for you, I think is really, really important. And Talk a little bit about how your mentorship or Reno's mentorship of uh, your staff has really helped neighborhood loans grow. You know, um, I always say, and Reno will say this too, it's 95% them, 5% us, right? So it's like they're the ones that have to leave the coaching, coaching sessions and execute on the things that are relevant to the themes that we're going over during those sessions. But I will tell you, since we've started doing it, um, and I don't have the exact statistics, I wish I did, I want to say uh, we've been doing it for about two years now, and 90% um, of our team has grown their businesses year over year from last year to this year, and this is no joke. I'd probably say pretty fairly 20, 30, 40%, wow. right? Um, and so it's impactful. And again, a lot of that comes down to because of all the hard work that they're putting in and all the execution that they're doing on, our, on their end because you can easily come into a coaching session, go over some great topics, leave, and then do nothing, do nothing about, about it. it, right? And so um, we just focused on things that are, are relevant. Um, we pay it forward. We're coached. Reno and I are coached. We've been coached um, 
through the core training for the last four and a half years, going on our fifth year, and it's changed our lives. And so we pay that forward to our team members, um, and we focus on the things that they focus on with us. And if um, it's relevant to us, it's it's relevant to them. These are real life things that make a difference, whether it's uh, in your personal life, in your business life, um, with the structure of your business or the structure of your team. Most people have ideas of where they want to go and and what they want to achieve, um, but throughout time, because life happens, get thrown off the bandwagon and it's our job to make sure that we know what's important to them why it's important to them and then do our part to help them achieve those things that's that's amazing stuff tell me about the core because you and i both know what the core is but i think a lot of people listening or viewing might have no idea what the core is wonderful so uh the core training is owned by uh rick ruby um he is the the main principal at the core uh also ran known by todd screema um and Rita Casey, and basically it's a it's a mortgage and real estate coaching company uh, that's been around for a lot about 17 years, but it's really picked up steam, steam probably in the last five to seven. And I want to do a good job explaining uh, them because of how big of an impact they've been on our business and changing our lives. Uh, so hopefully I can do that. But basically, what they do is they have active. Lenders and realtors who are in the business, who are top earners today in their markets from across the country. So to be a core coach, you literally have to be a top producing earner uh, who manages a, a big team, who does a good job and has the right character to represent this coaching company, which is different than most coaching companies out there that I've that I know about. And because a lot of other companies will have information that's given to you from either data analysts or people who used to be in the business, but you're really not getting the fundamental knowledge of people who are using the information they're sharing every day in their own businesses. And what they've done is they've created excellent content and an excellent community for people to become a part of where those ideas are shared and collaborated with and built upon uh, to just help everybody become better at their craft. What I love about you and Reno, as a, as well as the core, is that, like you said, the coaches and you guys as coaches are leading by example and actually successful people who are implementing the things you're learning. Because you're right, there's a lot of coaching out there, and I don't want to poo-poo some of the stuff that doesn't necessarily have successful people teaching everybody. Because you can be somebody who has not been... Uh, the most successful person in an industry and be a fantastic coach. That that happens. But I think that happens on a minority level, not the majority. And I've sat through some of the core sessions that you have had. I've had I've sat through some of the big um, uh, coaching uh, groups that you've brought into Chicago. And I can tell you, it's literally the only real estate coaching national level seminar that I will take and then teach to our agents because I think it's very practical. And like you said, it's taught by people who actually do business. You have a couple shout outs before I keep going. Timmy, so I'm going to butcher a name like John did earlier today. <laughs> Saul Jamani said, when will neighborhood loans be licensed in Texas? To be determined. <laughs> TBD. Yes. But they're going to take over and be licensed eventually in all 50 states <laughs> and probably Puerto Rico too. <laughs> Uh, Matt Rosen, good friend of the show and friend of both of us, uh, said he's being modest. Part of the reason I love it here is because, you know, the ownership and upper management are working as hard, if not harder, than all of us and that re and that they really care and really have our backs. Wow. So, Thank you, Matt. Shout out for Matt, which is a great guy. And I, can, and I can say this about Matt because I've been a friend of Matt's for going on, I think, 20 years now, which is crazy. I'm getting old. But watching Matt come to Neighborhood Loans and watching his career excel – 
has been something awesome to watch, not just as a colleague of his who works with him almost day to day, and a lot of our agents do, but as a friend of his. I think Matt's was fantastic before he came to Neighborhood Loans. I think he's one of the hardest working guys in the industry. But how he's taken to your coaching and Reno's coaching and really implemented that in his daily life, not just to be more successful, but I think where Matt, and I'm sure a ton of the other lenders who work for you, um, they're just happier. I think he's got a better work-life balance. I think he's better at managing staff. I think you and Reno and everybody else that coaches at Neighborhood Loans has done such a good job of just making everybody, like we said, happy to work at Neighborhood Loans. And I know it definitely is the case for Matt. Awesome. So that whole work-life balance thing, we've, we've touched on it off-air a little bit because you've lost, and I can tell, we're buddies. Yes. I, haven't seen you in, <laughs> I haven't seen you since you started losing a ton of weight. Yep. Pro- I probably saw you four or five months ago. Right. You've lost 39 pounds. Yes. And if Reno was here, you could barely catch him on a video or on a camera because he's lost so much weight. He almost, oh my God. almost looks like he's half of a Reno. He's crushed it. He's doing so much better than I. He's actually an inspiration for me to That's keep amazing. going. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I got to take inspiration from Jeff and from John because John kept his weight off when John and I lost weight. I've gained it all back. You should see Jeff Bashaw recently. He's lost a ton of weight. He's got like a six pack. Wow. He's in great shape wow. too. That's awesome. So we're going to go to dinner next week, all of us, and I'm going to be the, uh, the chubby guy in the room. <laughs> but what made you get to the point where you realized, I really have to do something about my health? Because you work crazy hours, and obviously that took a toll on you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, health and, and work-life balance is a big part of the, the core and the coaching that we've been getting. But it's one of those things that we weren't ready to receive when we initially started with it. And... Um, now, over the last six months, uh, it just became more and more relevant to us that, um, you know, what's it all worth if you're, if you're not living a healthy lifestyle meant for longevity so you can enjoy it all. And um, there were a couple conversations that I won't share uh, today that, that hit home for, uh, for Reno and myself that really made us take a look at what we're doing and why we're not doing something about it. And so we, uh, it was right at the beginning of May. We had come back from um, one of the the core summits, uh, which they have twice a year. They actually have another one coming up uh, in November in Phoenix, and um, we had made the decision. So, so Reno was it, it, Reno really pushed this for both of us, and he he found and hired a, a personal trainer and chef who who started making our meals for us, drops them off to our office twice a week. He started working out with him before I did, and really, um, you know took it all the way, like became dedicated to it to the point where um, not achieving success in this area of his life was not going to be acceptable. And uh, to date, over the last four or five months, he's lost 55 pounds. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, he's doing amazing. I've lost 39 pounds, and I still have uh, a ways to go, but uh, more energy, feel better. Um, um, I mean, just the whole it, it all everything that everybody tells you about the benefits of losing weight is true um and are we are realizing now in our lives as we continue focusing on living uh, better healthier lifestyles it, it's crazy how much more effective you are as a human being set aside a mentor a business owner just a human you have a family you have a beautiful growing family just as a human being how much more effective you are at everything in life when you start to get healthy yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, I mean, your your health, it's it's one of your core things, right? It's, um, you know, health, family, work, business, financials, 
Like these are the areas of life that everybody's trying to balance all the time. And uh, some of these areas are, are glass balls and some of these areas are, are rubber balls that you're juggling. You can drop one and it'll bounce back up. You let your health go for too long and you drop that ball, it cracks. I love that. There's no getting it that's back. Great. And that's one of the things that we were talking about earlier. It's like um, we're fortunate to be in our 30s and focusing on this stuff. But as we were talking about earlier uh, before the show, you can get into your 40s without giving it a second thought and be in a much worse situation that you won't have enough ability to impact on by making a change in your life. So the earlier you can start, the better. And um, making it a priority is the only way that it's going to get done and not making it optional. That's why John in his 60s is so cautious about what he eats. Oh, <laughs> John's nice. not 60. No, John is not 60. But so what's, what's a diet like for, uh, for Reno and yourself now? So the, the nuts and bolts of it is we're basically eating um, four meals and two snacks a day today. Uh, six to eight ounces of protein, very light seasoning. Um, and a cup of vegetables, that's pretty much each meal, uh, whether it's um, chicken, beef, um, salmon. salmon, right? Um, and the snacks are uh, a quarter cup of uh, some type of nuts, peanuts, almonds, cashews, and uh, a protein shake. So low carbs, definitely cutting out sugar too, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah no sugar, low carbs, um, a gallon of water a day. Oh, oh here's a big trick. Doing. That's a huge Here's a one. big trick, right? The, I feel like the secret is the water. You could eat right, and if you're not drinking enough water, like how do you lose weight? You sweat it out, you, you, know, you get the idea. Um, but the gallon of water really takes the, the weight loss out. And I, don't get me wrong, I have great days and I have bad days, but right now I'm on this other challenge where I can't have a bad day, but the water's super, super important. One of the things that Evan, who was my trainer and he's been a guest on the show, told me, and, and Evan, when he was training me, was competing in all these fitness challenges. So he had two or three gallons of water a day, but he was working out like a madman. He said, I promise you, if you do one thing and it's to add a gallon of water a day, you're going to completely change your life. And, and I was carrying around a gallon of water a day and I don't know why I ever stopped doing it, but I knew that the moment I stopped, I felt crummier. I felt a lot crappier throughout the day. And what I'm trying to do now, as I'm conscious of the fact that my cholesterol levels have gone up and I'm out of shape is, if anything, add the gallon of water back. 100%. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's hard. To, when you first start, it's hard to do. Yes. You gotta, especially you and I are in meetings a lot. You got to run to the bathroom every 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But eventually it becomes it becomes kind of right. normal you get used for you. to it. It becomes normal. So do you, are you a morning or a night fitness guy? Morning. Um, so I, I started this uh, other challenge. Uh, it's called Hard 75. I've had a reset on it. This is my third day. And what I've realized is... Uh, and we won't get into that too much, but if I don't conquer my workouts in the morning, I'm giving myself too much of an opportunity to not get them done, especially when there's uh, nights during the week that we dedicate to having late nights at the office or for events. Um, who's going to go home at 11 o'clock at night after a networking event and say, hey, I got to hit uh, the treadmill for an hour? Um, it just becomes very, very difficult. So conquer your morning, get the priorities done first thing. Um, and then you don't have to worry about it for the rest of your day. You seem like a very consistent guy with everything you do. And I've always attributed to success in business in large part to consistency. Is, are you very consistent in your schedule every day or is it just you have certain things you need to get done as a business owner and as just a person every single day? Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So um, a lot of people, and I'm going to relate that into uh, a lot of people will believe that uh, successful salesmanship is based off of the talent of uh, the sales skills of the person who's, who's growing their business, whether it's a realtor or a lender. And 
the truth is it takes both. It takes, it takes talent and, and hard work and, and skills, but also takes processes. And so we've built a lot of processes into our personal lives and into our businesses to help us achieve our goals at a higher level. And so when you're talking about, um, you know, how we handle our schedules and, and, and what we dedicate our time to, uh, I can tell you right now, I work off of theme days. Every day of the week has a theme. I work off of big rocks. Every day of the week has three major things I got to do by the afternoon, um, which are priorities so that I don't give myself the option to not do them in case fires come up or, um, as they always do, or interruptions come into place. Um, and all of those things are in line with what my overall goals are for the quarter and for the year. And that's how I keep pushing in the right direction. What people tend to do is they get to a certain level of uh, production, volume, income, and they realize that they're busy all the time. And the thing is, they're not making sure that they're spending their busy time in the right area. So you have to be really tactical. And that's something that the course taught us. So you have to know where you want to go. You have to know what tactics are going to get you there. And you got to make sure you do those things in some type of rhythm every single day. Uh, and then, you know, taking it into our health more recently has been added to that by, by knocking out the workouts in the morning, drinking uh, two bottles of water before I hit the uh, road for the office just starts you off in the right direction. You, you touched on something that I, I think I, I coach a little bit on. It's working not just in your business, but on your business. And when people get very, very busy and, and lenders do it just like realtors mm -hmm. because they almost have that same dynamic of they get to a certain level of production and they can't break through to that, you know, rainmaker killer production because they feel busy and they stop working on their business. They're just kind of in it. What do you mean when you say theme days? How, how do you make sure that you're always kind of working on your business and not just in it? Okay, no, that's a great question. Um, I'll tell you how it relates to me and I'll tell you how it relates to some of our top loan reps. Um, and, and, and it corresponds with each other greatly. So I have theme days. Uh, every day of the week is slotted for a different theme or event, right? One of the primary things we focus on is coaching and growing our people. So I've dedicated Thursdays to coaching uh, our team members, uh, whether it's individually or in groups, uh, to growing their businesses and helping them be more organized and structured. Uh, organization and structure, in my belief, is, is the difference between whether you're doing um, um, average production, above average production, or extreme production, just tells me the level of organization and structure that you have within your business. So for myself, I do, <coughs> I do my uh, management meetings on Mondays. I do my PL work on Tuesdays. Thursdays, I'm doing coaching. Fridays, I'm doing projects. Wednesday, I'm doing uh, site visits. And I'm trying to get better about my Wednesdays haven't been as consistent as they should have been in the last couple months. And so my goal for the fourth quarter is to iron that out and make sure I'm doing it as often as possible. Well, we goofed up your site visits on Wednesday here by dragging you to River North. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming all the way out here. No, no. And, um, and that's, that's one of the things. So it'll get back on track soon. And I love spending time with my team, but the way that it correlates back into the lending side for our, uh, for our team members, uh, in sales is they have theme days as well. Right? So the most important thing about a working relationship with an agent and uh, a loan officer really starts with doing a good job. Anyone can promise you the world and tell you they can, you know, uh, pay for marketing or, or, or give you the magic pill to help you succeed in your business, but it really comes down to doing a consistently good job in every transaction. So every day there's a theme around 
how to create a better experience within that transaction. Um, like uh, staying in constant communication with your customers, your, your agents, your attorneys, uh, and giving them proactive communication versus reactive communication, which I'm sure a lot of lenders out there get in the mix with when people are reaching out to you for information instead of you pouring it into them. It creates a different experience for everybody involved in the transaction. Uh, that continues with um, you know, working off of their calendars, making sure they're spending enough uh, time uh, prospecting, making sure they're spending enough time um, nurturing their databases, uh, and each day is themed out relative to the one thing that's the most important thing to help them move the needle in their businesses. Well, a couple things in there that I really, really like. The proactive versus reactive uh, contact of being somebody who, once a contract is signed, the, the loan officer becomes basically the, uh, the quarterback. Right. You know, the, the realtor will take it to contract signing, and then a good realtor should stay in touch and also be proactive, not reactive with their clients. But, and I've seen that working with Matt and some other guys in your office. That, I think, for as, as a realtor, is maybe one of the most important things. And, and now being a part of the loan process is also very, very important. And I think that building a good team, and your top producing agents at least, do a very good job of building a very good team that allows them to then be proactive, not reactive to things. Yes. Do you, is, is there a, a time period or a production level where you say, hey, listen, you need a team? Or is it case by case, depending on who you're dealing with? No, uh, there's a structure. Um, every time you can have a structure instead of making a decision off the cuff, I think you should definitely have one in your business, your personal life. For us, there's minimums. The minimums are you have to have at least six uh, units a month for three months in a row to entertain uh, obtaining a, a team member on your team. Um, and then for every six additional units a month that you do after that, uh, we want to look at how your business is doing and if it makes sense to add a team member and in some cases it does and others it doesn't um, and the reason we say that is because there is enough time in the day uh, to get enough done to get that initial level of business done um, plus you don't feel the effects of the bandwidth added by getting a um, an additional team member whether it's shared or dedicated to you, if you're not fulfilling your part first and making sure that your efforts are giving you maximum results, a lot of times where people struggle is not necessarily being able to get it all done, but more so being able to prioritize. Um, I'm reading a book on the, I was reading a book, listening to it on Audible on my drive up here, and one of the things it was talking about was, um, I think it was Jack Welsh and, and uh, what he paid Charles Schwab when he got advice from him uh, regarding like the best business advice he could give. And Charles Schwab told him, um, you know what, write down the six most important things for you to do every day. And then when you start your day, start with the highest priority and don't go on to the next thing to the first thing's done. Then send me a check uh, with what you think it's worth. Um, that book's called Scaling Up, by the way, if you want to read it. And that check he sent him a few weeks later was for $25,000. And this is wow. not recent money. This is money from a long time ago. So if you adjust for inflation, it's a lot more than that. It's one of the best success tools uh, that he's gotten. And it's it's about prioritizing, right? Um, in, in our company, we call it having your big rocks, making sure you do the most important things first in the day before life happens and everything else gets in the way. And so we want to make sure people are hitting that minimum because then we know they're using their time effectively. So then we know the benefit of having that team member is actually going to make a difference in their business and in their lives. Who's the author of that book? Um, let me pull that up for you. So no the, worries. What is it called? It's called scaling up, scaling up. Yeah. You're a big gifter of books as well as a very good book recommending guy <laughs> recommender. I don't think is a word. 
I read refer. enough that I should know refer. Yeah. I should know what words are words and not words. But any books that are your staples, if yes. you're coaching somebody, read these one, two, three, four books, whatever it might be, before you go on to read anything else. Yes, yeah. So I, I actually, I'm going to share one that I read most recently uh, as part of my coaching, uh, which is a book called Lead for God's Sake. Uh, that is from Todd Gangwer. I, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, it's okay. We're not three, yeah, butchers, we're just three <laughs> butchers of last everything. names today. Uh, the, it's got a simple principle uh, within the book, and, and, and it really hits home on how it starts with you, but you don't realize that until later on in the book. And it's not a spoiler. Definitely read it. It's going to give you a lot of great information. But yes, if, uh, starting fundamental books, uh, sales, I would start with... Um, I would start with a book called, it's the prerequisite to pound the stone. And I'm going to mention that book in a second too. I'm looking for it in my uh, audible right now because I had to read it as far as my coaching and it really, really hit home with me and everyone that I've recommended it to. Um, so the first book is chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry water. It's Joshua Medcalf. Yep. I would start with that. And when you're done with that, read pound the stone, pound the stone. I'm going to give you one excerpt from that book. It talks about um, making sure you're doing the things necessarily daily to achieve the results you want in your in your life, whether it be personal health, business, uh, or related. And one of the examples it gives is it talks about like bamboo trees and how they're um, you plant them, you water them, and you wait. And it takes like five years for the tree to actually um, break ground. But then with after five years, once it does break ground, it's like 30 days, the thing's like 30 feet tall, right? So the idea is we don't always see results in our business uh, with the actions that we're taking on the day-to-day to see the difference. And we live in a, a world today where we're used to hitting a button and getting something at our house in the next 24 hours. So it becomes very difficult for people to realize or conceptualize that the things that they're um, doing and structuring their business um, will make a difference over a long period of time, over the long game. And so it's good for us to recalibrate and remember that um, you know the things that you're implementing in your business today uh, keep an eye on it, focus on it. And just because it hasn't really catapulted your success yet doesn't mean it won't. And I think that's um, a big takeaway from that one. And it's got so many better nuggets than that that you guys would love it. Uh, that's going to be next on my read list because what you just said, I'm going to play on loop for everybody at Main Street to listen to. One thing I always try to tell people is your efforts, you know, and, and it happens, I'm sure, with LOs and it happens with realtors. They, they work really, really hard for six months, maybe nine months or a year, and they're not where they want to be yet because the people that need to work with them just haven't got to the point that they need their assistance yet. It's the same thing when people send out farm mailers. Oh, it's not working after six months. Well, the person might not need you yet, but it's like that bamboo tree. And I never, I've never read the book, never thought of that example, never knew that bamboo trees take five years and then sprout up. But your efforts might not be needed yet, but everything is working. You just don't think it's working. And what a great example, because I, I try to beat that in people's heads. And I think part of being a successful entrepreneur is making sure that you don't allow the lack of early success to stop you from continuing the stuff that has been coached to you. Because you're at a point in your career now where you know what works and you're constantly evolving your coaching, you're, you're getting mentored and then you're being a mentor. But you have a pretty good grasp on my efforts are gonna get me to a finish line. But a brand new agent or somebody making a career change as an LO, they might say, wow, six months in, 
I'm not where I want to be. This isn't working. The coaching's not working. I'm done. I'm going to go get a full-time job. And they're just a month or two months or six months away from it blowing up for them or that bamboo tree sprouting up. So I can't wait to read that book. And that's one of my favorite excerpts I've gotten out of the show in a year and a half. Awesome. What do you do to keep somebody? And, and this is more a personal question, but it's a good question, I think, for anybody, whether, like you said, it's fitness, it's business, it's relation. What do you say to the person that six months in is maybe losing that motivation, losing that hope that their efforts are just not getting them somewhere? What, what's the response to something like that? Um, the best advice I could give is realign yourself with the reason why you're doing what you're doing, right? Um, uh, that's really what's going to bring it home for you. If you have a deep understanding of your purpose, whether it's in sales or wh uh, whatever goals you're, you're trying to align yourself with and uh, really root that into, you know, your belief system in terms of it's that much more important for you to achieve it, then the failure is not really a thing, right? It's just people who quit along the way. It's like if you have a goal and your goal is to get to a certain level of production, um, whether you're on the fast track because you have the right mentors, the right processes, and the right people around you, or you're on the slow track because you got to figure it all on your, on your own, um, if you stay dedicated to your cause, you will still get there. Uh, and then the failure turns into the people who don't believe that it's worth it anymore because they've lost their purpose and their focus on the reason why they were doing it. That's amazing. And, and in your day-to-day -day life, I'm sure since you started in 2009 till now, and even before that, when you were working in the industry, I'm sure you've had a hundred times where you've maybe a thousand times where you felt like something failed on you and you could have easily pulled the plug, but you took that failure or perceived failure and probably learned from it. And that's what I try to tell people all the time. And I said, you know, yesterday when I put that post up, I said, you know, in year one, I imagine maybe I'd be here, and but year ten, I still look at myself as a very infant entrepreneur. I mean, there's I, I look at I saw something today, and I don't like getting political. Where somebody who's running for office said there should be no more billionaires in the world. Billionaires should not be there. And I said, you know, that's crazy talk because I look at those people as as, and I look at people who are successful just without having money as as people I, I look up to. But I look at a billionaire. You look at a Bill Gates. That's a human like me and you and John. He, he's not a, a machine. He's not a robot. Success is infinite. You can get to a level that's crazy in this world just being a human being. And I look at that and I, and I look at myself as kind of a very infant entrepreneur. But I know I'm going to fail a million times over if I'm ever going to get to a level of success that even comes one one thousandth of where they're at. And I think f dealing with failure well and knowing that you're not where you want to be of what you were touching on is so so important it's uh it's super important you got to get comfortable with it it's part of the process um growth is uncomfortable it's not um natural for everybody to achieve and acquire because of the uncomfort that it causes um, but some of the best growth is going to come right outside of your comfort zone and so um get used to making mistakes feeling as long as you learn from it that's the big differentiator right so it's like if you can uh, everyone's going to fail in business, and the more uh, you fail, the more you should learn. But if you're not learning from your failures, then that's when you don't get ahead and years pass you by and you're in the same boat you were years ago is because you haven't changed anything from the lessons you've learned. And I like to say if you're not failing, you're probably not trying hard enough. You know, it, it's we, we were saying we like to relate things back to fitness. When you get to failure repping something at a crazy amount, 
you f your body has kind of failed because you've tried so hard to get somewhere. It's the same thing in business. If you're not shooting really high and failing from time to time, you're probably not trying hard enough. Yes. Now, I will add that in our business, in most cases, in most places, failure is not an option. So to mitigate failure in your life, find a mentor, find a coaching platform to jump onto, find someone who's already climbed the mountain and on their way back and ask them to show you the path. And you will mitigate uh, having to fail on your own and you can learn from other people's mistakes. That's such an important part of having a mentor is that learn from people's mistakes. And I think we've said this on the show and I think the whole nature of the show when John and I started was we believe that entrepreneurs and successful people are typically very willing to help somebody else up the ladder. You know, there's this unfortunate kind of uh, overshadowing opinion of a lot of people that you know successful people don't want other people to be successful and I found that every time I've ever reached out for help or advice from anybody that's successful especially when I was first starting off and somebody you know was where I wanted to be they were with the exception of one person who just kind of <laughs> shut me out and I just it is what it is you will find an asshole every once in a while everywhere <laughs> but everybody's been so willing with their time and advice and I find that I will never reject somebody who's asking an opinion of me anymore because it's a giver's gain mindset and you really have that giver's gain mindset. Thank you. It's the book, Matt actually gifted me a book, The Go-Giver, which is one of my favorite books and it's, you know, kind of talks about giving and not expecting anything in return, right. but just being able to give somebody something. And, and you've been that for me in the last four or five years in, in a very large way. And I'm sure your agents and your LOs are very, very happy to work with you. Thank you. What's um, kind of next steps? Are you guys thinking of growing into more states? I know we had that. It's a TBD. There's somebody said Texas. <laughs> it is growing because you have a very stronghold here. I know there's a couple states you guys work in. Is the ultimate goal to be in a lot of different states, more states? Yeah. So, um, Here's the best way to answer that. It's not necessarily as important as which states we're in. Uh, more importantly is who we're doing business with in those states, right? So we look at opportunities here locally uh, as well as in different regions in the country. And we're looking for um, um, structured uh, growth with our quarterly and annual goals to align ourselves with people who are like us uh, in terms of character and um, um business and production and things of that nature. And then if that all works out, um, we will open up a couple different regions in a couple different states. But again, more important is going to be um, focusing on the people. And so everyone knows we're in 10 states right now. Uh, we're in 10 states right now. Office locations, four in Illinois and um, a great office in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, I recently remember you guys went to Michigan and I love Michigan and I think that's a booming market there. But I remember Matt saying that it was a really smart relationship piece there. You guys felt very comfortable going there because of the people you teamed up with. 100%. 100%. And um, there's nobody better that we could have done it with. And I really believe that the success for companies, uh, when companies are successful, it's not that the company itself is successful. It's the people within that organization do the things that matter to make it successful. And we found uh, great partners in Michigan to... Um, really expand and grow the territory um, and their influence is helping make us a better company as well. So it's it's a win-win for everybody. I really believe that the culture you've set, Reno set for neighborhood loans, at least locally, which, I, which I've which i been able to see, probably is 
growing in all these different markets and, and, and the influence you have here is probably exponentially helping people that are all over the place. So we ask this every time and you've done a very, very good job of giving us probably a hundred tips that we can <laughs> pick from. It's been virtually an hour long coaching session for me and I'm sure everybody listening and viewing because you're a very good coach. But if you had one or two tips for, it doesn't have to be an LO or a realtor, for an entrepreneur, what yeah. would they be? Yeah, okay, so I'm gonna steal one from you, right? So I follow um, your postings and I, and I listen to your coachings and uh, very centered around goals, right? I think the difference between the people who get to where they wanna go and the people who end up floating with the current is the difference in knowing where they wanna go. And so um, it starts with a goal. So if you, you have to know what that goal is, whether it's a, a weight loss number, uh, a financial savings number, a growth in your business number, starting a business number. <laughs> you have to know what you wanna do, and then what I'm gonna add to it is you have to know when you wanna do it by, right, and who's gonna be responsible for taking it there. And, and then implementing a process uh, into your business. People always tell me, hey, I wanna grow my business. Great, what are three things you're doing right now to do that? Uh, hey, I wanna open up, a, I'm a chef in a restaurant, one day I wanna have a company, great. Uh, a restaurant. I go great. What are three things you're doing right now to help you get to to help you get there? And then they just look at you. They're like, well, I just want it to happen one day. Well, no, you got to make it happen. So the 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 advice I would give is nothing's going to come to you. You have to make it happen. Think about what you're aspiring to achieve right now. Write down three things that can help you get there and start executing on those things. Daily too, sometimes correct. Daily, once a week. Uh, if you can only do it on Saturdays because you have a full time job and your schedule doesn't permit you to to focus on what else you want to achieve, then it's every Saturday or every Sunday. Have you? Um, we've talked about this on the air before too, but have you ever heard Arnold Schwarzenegger's take on that? He does. I he does like a it. commencement speech. I love it. I know and exactly he gets so mad about. that you know. People say, oh, I need to, I have work a full-time job. I need to sleep eight hours a day where you can go sleep faster. Sleep faster. And it, it's true, yes. though. It, yes. If you're trying to achieve your goals, and I know Gary V does it in a kind of beat-it-in-your-face way, yeah. and I love Gary V, yeah. and Grant Cardone does it, and a lot of people do this when you're listening to him. They say, you know, you can be a full-time employee and still work on your dreams, but Arnold really does put it best. Yes. Sleep faster. I think I've probably said that a hundred times in the last year. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic, <laughs> and, and he is, you know, you look at Arnold, and I think people, if they, if they could take a real look at Arnold and how he came up and his rise to not just being literally the best bodybuilder ever, and then becoming an actor that was on a level that's A plus, and then becoming a politician, which is insane given his background. He really is such a good body of work to look at for success. Yes, I agree 100%. People don't look at Arnold's stuff, I think, enough for motivation on becoming a successful, forget an athlete, just being a successful entrepreneur person in life. No, I, I agree. I, I love it. I love that video in particular, and I love the motivational stuff he puts out there. He's one of my dream. You know how they always say, if you could have lunch or dinner with one person who's famous, you know, who would it be? He, he's up there for me. I think Elon Musk is probably there for me, just because I think he's kind of a fascinating mind. But I think Arnold is probably from a... I just would be so interested to spend an hour with Arnold. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Do you have one where you're like, hey, this guy would be somebody I really would love to sit down with for an hour or two? You know, um, not not genuinely one that I've thought about. 
um, that I think would be awesome, right? So me, I'm always looking at within my um, industry who's the best per- people that I can um, connect with to, to make a difference in my life. And I feel like I'm doing that now, but um, off the cuff, interesting person to spend an hour with. Like how cool would it be to to like seriously hang out with um, Warren Buffett? Yeah, you know that would I mean? be cool. Yeah. The greatest investor of all time. All time, right. And I've heard he's very accessible to people who know him. He's one of those guys who gives a lot of information and knowledge to, I know Bill Gates looks at him as a mentor, and I know a lot of people that are around him look to him as a mentor. He, his book, uh, Wealth, is a really good early on book to read. His, his just general ideas of how to be wealthy, I think, are fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic, as Arnold. <laughs> All right, so when you're not working hard, when you're not doing fitness, and you're not killing the world of entrepreneurship, what does Tony do to just kind of relax? Is there a vacation uh, spot? Uh, you know, lately, uh, I have an 11-month-old son. He's going to turn a year this coming October. And um, when I'm not doing all the other stuff, my first go-to is spending time with my son and my wife. Um, really couldn't do uh, what I'm able to do without the flexibility and support that I get at home. And so I tried to, um, you know, repay that with starting with my time and then expand that into things that we can do together. But I love, I have one son right now. I love my boy, Lucas. He's, he's awesome. He's changed Total my life. Total cutie pie. Thank you. Check Thank him you. out on Tony's Facebook. <laughs> and, um, you know, outside of that, normal stuff. I like to hang out with friends. I like to golf when I can. I think I've gone three or four times this year. I wish I could go more. Um, and really the simple stuff. Are you a better golfer than Matt Rosen? I don't know. I would probably say no. He's probably better than no, me. No, I think he can beat him. Well, I'm not that great. So <laughs> Matt, Matt's listening, and he's going to comment in a second. Cause he, uh, I had a weird golf bet with him, and I'm a terrible golfer. And I'll admit this on air, and he's probably going to remind me of it every time. Just play this back again. He's definitely a better golfer than I am. I just beat him in a set of rules, and it's driving him nuts. And he wants me to go and have a golf matchup with him again. My shoulder's right. truly messed up. But I think when it's better, I think we should have a uh, little group golfing match. Yeah. I'm going to put my money on you. I won't bet on myself against Matt, even though he's going to force me to. But I'm putting my bet on you against Matt. I appreciate the confidence. John, do you golf? Yes, I do. Are you good? No, I'm not. (laughs) That's the thing is, I think most people, unless you're golfing consistently all the time, nobody's really good at golf. It just takes too long to get good and keep on. Yeah. And you wrestled? You and Reno wrestled? Yeah, seven years. Junior high, high school. Oh, I was part of that. a great organization. Our first mentor uh, was a guy by the name of Mark Hahn. He was our uh, varsity wrestling coach and, um, you know, very similar um, coach to the coach we have today. Um, he's tough but loving, hard and in your face, but he gets you to, to do what's necessary to move the needle. I always said this, and I've read a couple articles about it, and... I think that people who begin wrestling or doing something similar to wrestling early on have a very high level from an early age of discipline because it's really, really hard to be a wrestler and not disciplined. And there's articles that show that people who are involved in wrestling make really good entrepreneurs because at a young age when you're wrestling, you have a crazy amount of stress and you have to be very consistent with your diet and your training and it's a grueling sport. And I never knew that you and Reno... (laughs) Wrestling. Yes, yes. And uh, Reno was probably a better wrestler than I was. But I think the wrestling, I think it's sports, right? To me, my takeaway on that is sporting, uh, if you endure it for um, 
a few years consistently, what it means is you're coachable. And how great would it be if all of your team members and my team members were uh, easily susceptible to being coachable, yeah. to being able to take direction and execute on that direction? I mean, set up your kids for success, get them in sports. Trust me, it'll go a long way. I agree. Although Main Street did beat Neighborhood Loans in the kickball tournament at Carr. Yes. <laughs> Barely. You were, the, you were the only team that scored on us. Ooh, well, we got one takeaway there. Yeah, you, you scored on <laughs> us, and you guys did pretty good. We saw you in the first round. I did not want to have to play against Neighborhood Loans. It hurt my heart to have to <laughs> trash talk the Neighborhood Loans staff while we played them, but while we were playing kickball. Yes, the, the friendship lines kind of. Although Matt, I think has is, is hated in your office now because he stood on the Main Street Real Estate Group sideline there. He, he chose the wrong sideline yeah. there. Oh, he <laughs> chose the right sideline because we, we won. Yeah, that's true. But uh, we had a lot of fun with you guys, and I really appreciate you coming on Wheelhouse. I know it's difficult for you to take time away from the structure that you have. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, yourself and Reno, who couldn't be here today, have been very, very important in my business growth. Um, you're a fantastic mentor to me, so is Reno, and we appreciate the relationship you've had with us. And I know for a fact that all of Chicago real estate, uh, you guys are so well involved with the Association of Realtors. You support so many realtors and have helped so many realtors and loan officers really grow their business. So I thank you not just from John and I on Wheelhouse, but globally from Chicago Realtors. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. And really, um, all of our success, we couldn't do it without all of you. So teamwork we, makes the dream work. I appreciate it. We have a lot of good quote snippets that we can take out. And Indeed. I'm going to go get a bamboo tree and put one in my backyard now and just water it for <laughs> the next five years. I never I didn't know that. No. Although I don't think bamboo trees can live in our climate. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. know. But I'll try for yeah, five years. Just keep watering it. Sure. It's a total joke, and it never grows. And it's, gonna be, it's gonna be BS. I'll just be watering it for ten more years. Um, John, you got anything? Uh, no, that was a great interview. A uh, lot of informational nuggets that will play very well. Yeah, I, t I told John. I'm, I don't know if I don't think you guys have met before. Maybe no. at the real estate rumble mm -hmm. at some point, you you kind of bounced into one Maybe. another. But I told John. I said, you know, when when Tony and Reno come on there is going to be a lot of really strong mm -hmm. advice to people who are trying to grow businesses in general because not only are you a mentor, you're constantly evolving your mind as a mentor. Yes, thank you. So thank thanks you. for coming on. Next week? Uh, next week we have Ryan Foley, oh, yes. I believe. Good good friend of mine as well. Yes. Looks like we got two good buddies in a row. Uh, Spyglass, spy yeah. Spy so uh, next week, Wednesday at three o'clock, we're gonna have Ryan Foley on. Also a fantastic entrepreneur. He's got one of the most successful inspection businesses in Chicago, but he's a builder, uh, he's a developer, and he's doing incredible work in Chicago. And he's a guy who has been able to be an entrepreneur in two, three different realms of work wow. at the same time, and also manage a family life. And he coaches four teams for his kids. So I'm interested to chat Is with it? him too about yeah. work life. Good balance. time management. Incredible time management yeah. and uh, great, great stress management too. Yeah. Because running around like he does, he's all over the map. All over the place. So excited about next week. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you guys next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Indeed. In three, two, one.